0: welcome back you're watching stock watch with me bright kumalo tackling your stock related questions this evening are trikas kumbrink from Capicraft craft and devin shoot from the robay group send those questions via sms to four one three nine two, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at business day tv using the hashtag stockwatch. um devin i'll start with you how did we close on the local front um I mean, we've had basically a red week all of last week. uh, We're seeing now a bit of, you know, cool off and we're seeing a little bit of green markets and I see in the US as well.
1: Yeah, but it was nice to see, wasn't it? I mean, last week, markets took a breather after four very strong weeks and, you know, we needed those after the first half of of the year that that we had. The four very strong weeks, uh, week, week, last week, and then... Monday was red, so yeah, nice nice to see a bit of consolidation here. Yeah, but I think those those worries that are you know still hanging over financial markets about rising inflation, how the central banks are going to react, possible escalation in conflict in in the Ukraine, are, are are still really really troubling markets. And and I think until we get a a clear trajectory for, for where global inflation is going and U.S. inflation specifically. I think we're going to see this kind of push-pull reaction. So, yeah, we started strongly, gave back a bit of the gains, but nice to see a green day all in all.
0: Yes, I mean, Drikas, we're seeing, you know, headlines talk about uh, the symposium in Jackson Hole where the central bankers are gathering. And, I mean, is it fair to say, you know, our speculators are sitting this one out because they don't want to get, you know, chopped in the head uh, you know with a surprise what's hap- what's gonna happen in this symposium, and especially uh, you know um jerome powell's comments uh that are you know pending friday because that's when he's gonna have his own soliloquy.
2: yeah so um Brad, I think the thing is that then the, you know international markets, especially the i beta ones or the ones that's um, let's say the the old um the old market regime. Uh, beta plays that's a mouthful the Nasdaq the tech stocks the growth stocks those are up more than 20% from the um, from the three month lows or the you know um, two year lows for that matter Mm -hmm. so they had quite a a bear market rally and it's um, not at all you know you shouldn't be surprised to see those come back as well we're still solidly within a bear market from what I can see and um What's happened yesterday is uh, it's quite interesting. Um, the, the leaked um, communique between OPEC members um, yes. basically put a flaw under oil prices. So, you know, we had a ceiling for oil prices that, that was due to the re- release of the Strategic Petroleum re- Reserve. That's about a million barrels a day. Another 500,000 or so barrels from Europe with, with Japan that's been released into the market. Well, the next two or three mo- months still, uh, and that's put the ceiling, you know, on on oil prices. Back when that was um, enacted, uh, and now I think OPEC has said, listen, uh, we are seeing a lot of um, stuff we don't like in the oil markets, not reflecting fundamentals. And if 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 it needs to be, we'll cut production, especially if there's an Iran deal. So I think they feel a little bit betrayed when it comes to an Iran deal. They don't want the Iranians um, and the Americans. Um, too friendly with each other. Um, can only wonder what, what the Israeli government is telling each other at the moment with regards <laughs> to a possible Iran deal. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. And, um, basically, um, OPEC is the swing producer, you know, these days. It's not U.S. Shell. in the 2010s. It was U.S. shale. So I, I think they'll put a floor under the oil price that puts a floor under inflation and that puts, um, uh, you know, that's really, restrains and Jerome Powell in terms of you know how dovish he can turn um, so I think with the rally that we've had with oil prices that you I think starts you know feeling a flaw I don't really see a lot of leeway for Jerome Powell uh, for a so-called pause or a pivot.
0: Okay let's see let's let's wait till Friday and see actually what happens because I mean, the the markets are going to be jittery until then. Uh, Let's jump into our questions here for today. We have a question from Eugene here on uh, Twitter who says, the panel's view on MTN, is it a buy or wait? Devin?
1: Look, I think probably a a wait right now. I I mean, I think there's some really strong fundamentals going for for MTN at the moment. I I think they now finally got themselves in the right geographies. um, Extremely strong cash generation returning a lot of that. To, to shareholders. Um, and, and the telecom deal looks looks imminent in my view. I mean you never know until you get that 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 final announcement, but that will give them that, that fiber network that really will take them to the next the, the next stage of their development. You know, couple that with all the fintech investments they've made. I, I think the business is, is looking a lot clearer and more focused than it's been for a while. Um, I'm gonna jinx it now by saying we haven't had too many large regulatory issues from other african countries but <laughs> that's kind of you know price, i i guess there's a, there's always a discount built in there for that um with the geographies they, they operate in but you know portfolio's is looking a lot better a lot more focused so i i definitely think it is attractive it's one we would look to um possibly accumulate in weakness
0: yeah and definitely we've seen weakness there so maybe it's 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 worth something it's worth it you know to look at um your thoughts on 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 MTN? Do you have any further thoughts, Triggers?
2: Yeah, a, a great results recently. I think it's a bit overstated because um, the the official rate and uh, you know the the real rate that you in Nigeria, you know, yes. Yeah, yeah, with Nigeria and other West African West African countries for that matter. You know, it's difficult to get currency out at the moment without impairing the value thereof. Um so I think that's a bit of a concern for the market. There's an acute dollar shortage in these markets. Um, and you know uh, and but normally those are periods which if you have bought NTN previously, um, you know, if you're willing to sit through the pain, then you would have been rewarded handsomely. Um yeah. as for other emerging market players as well. So I think a lot of um Western institutional uh, buyers have been sal- well uh, uh, players have been sellers recently. And, um, yeah, I, I think we should be liquidity providers to them. I think the strong dollars has been the issue. And, um, I do think there's a lot of growth for them left, especially in the new business lines, in the fintech divisions, et cetera. So, um, maybe a bit of a um, disappointment for some dividend hunters, you know, um, uh, if they're going to buy Telcom, that's going to go through, you know, the, the the increases in the dividends that we would have expected coming through over the next twelve to 24 months you know that's not going to come through they're going to reinvest that or they're going to need to repay some debt etc yeah we'll see um, how they structure that but yeah I, i think it's a buy at these levels
0: Okay, you think MTN is a buy at these levels? We've got a a question here from Eugene Fauci who says, "Good day. Can the panel please indicate which of South Africa's medical stock is the best for one's portfolio? He's interested in life healthcare, uh, to be specific." Uh, Devin.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, if we if we just look at the sector first of It's it was you know baffled a lot of us when you know a pandemic hit and these healthcare and hospital operating groups re- really did not benefit from it. And and what it was is these massive fixed cost bases that, you know, that they, they just couldn't maintain because of a very kind of narrow offering that they were forced to to do, none of the electives and, and that type of thing. Couple that with the emerging trend of these day clinics, which I know the big hospital groups are also pursuing, that it, it's it's a rare it's a really tough space at the moment, also highly regulated. So you don't have free reign in terms of margin you can offer um, but, but that being said there, there are some really good operators at the moment I, I think probably the, the pick of the bunch for us is life at the moment um, we, we think just the, the portfolio of assets and where they, they're positioned are, are, are looking superior to the others um, but, but it's not a standout bar for us as a, as a sector because of the reasons I gave
0: yeah it's uh, it's been very disappointing uh, to be invested in this industry in the past ten years i mean you've grossly underperformed the j s e so I, it's it's tough to say the least um any thoughts on on life healthcare, and maybe the sector as a whole uh Trikus?
2: no most of the most of the wealth destruction that you talk about um right, happened offshore and most of the the local hospitals did quite well over the the last ten years and you know they, they just made silly um uh, allocation to uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. So, I think that was part of the problem. It's a thing of the past now, okay. and I think you'll see profitability margins increasing as as um, you know, as beds get filled and you know, and um, some of the elective surgeries uh, get done that you know was postponed uh, during COVID. It's supposed to be a defensive uh, industry, you know, except for when there's a, a, a acute pandemic or you know anything of the like so it's supposed to be a defensive industry and i see it being such uh in what is you know a weak environment and we've got an aging uh, middle class um and and you know be it Medicare or life the two remaining ones in the JC, they they both have hospitals in areas where that aging aging middle class will be
0: yeah okay. so
2: um yeah i think I, i'm not going to stand in anybody's way buying those at these levels
0: Okay, cool. Um, we've got a question here from Eden um, on Twitter who says, "Good day. What are the prospects for Afrocentric? I think the theme is still uh, healthcare or medical aid in this in this case. And is it still a buy at the at these levels? I'll stay with you, um, Tricus. So your thoughts on you know Afrocentric? I mean, keeping in mind uh, that pending you know suit that's overhanging the share price."
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. Right, I'll give this one to Devin.
0: Okay, Devin, Afrocentric?
1: Yeah, look, look I mean, it, the, the, the stock's been under pressure for a while, hasn't it? And, you know, if you, if you look at the price earnings multiple of about seven, it's reflecting that, that the market has had some concern about the outlook. Yes. I, I, I think a, you know, a company that operates in the healthcare sector like this does in static countries and Mauritius, I believe, does have some prospects, but but again a highly regulated space. You know you've got that that case you mentioned hanging over. So I, I think there are a few uncertainties. I I think it would be quite a brave bet going in now. But but I think there there are also some merits to to this business model. Um, I'm not convinced it's an out-and-out out buy, but it's a you know, it's an interesting one to consider. And yeah, on face value, you got got a really good dividend yield above eight percent as as well to to look at.
0: Let's go into even more questions. We've got some uh, here from Twitter. It's from Katle who said he bought African rainbow minerals at around 201 rands and since then is up about 19%. Is it a good idea to add more or should you just take profits? I don't know whether he's a long-term investor or a trader. Uh, Devin, you have to help me here.
1: <laughs> yeah. If he's a trader and he's trading commodity counters good good luck, Because your be is as good as mine. Um but but I think look, let let's let's assume he's an investor. Um yeah. African Rainbow Minerals got, got a nice portfolio of um you know metals in there. They've got the PGMs, um, they've got iron ore, they've got coal, um copper, gold, the the like. So I I think from a diversification perspective you do, you're doing pretty well in that regard. And and then I think you've got to drill down and, and look at what your views are on on those underlyings. Generally, my sense is that despite slowing global growth, I think with the elevated inflationary environment for however long that is, that there's a, a strong case for commodities to be made. I think that supply is, is still going to be an, an issue for time to come. And, and with all that in the mix, I, I, I think having exposure to these... These various commodities um, is is going to be good for for investors over a longer term view. So I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm not sure it's my, my my top pick. I think if he's got exposure, he's done well, as you said. He, he's he's up nicely, or she's up nicely in that regard. Yeah. Um, whether I would add, I'm, I'm not sure. I think you're probably adding a lot more risk to the portfolio. I'm, I'm not sure the 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 upside, quite where we are, is justified.
0: Yes, um, I think. I'm going to skip uh, African rainbow Minerals for you, uh, Trickus, because there's a question directed to you here uh by Francois Smith who says for Trickus is is this stock still a hold? It's very volatile. He's talking about Cameco. I think Yeah, Yeah, Cameco. Yeah, it was one yeah. of your picks. Cameco right?
2: listed in Toronto, yeah. Yes. Cameco is the world's uh, biggest uranium producer. Yes. Um well in, in the Western Hemisphere, and the Eastern Hemisphere, in Kazakhstan, you've got Kazatomprom. We own both. Um, so we think the only way out of the energy crisis, if you want to stay carbon, if you want to go the low carbon or zero carbon route, it's through nuclear. And um, you're already seeing mines change all over. Um, it's not particularly cheap. Um, Cameco is ramping up production again, back to uh, previous levels. Remember, cut production even before covid to uh, bring some balance into the market. It, it worked. Um, uranium prices started rising. There's been massive underinvestments in uranium for at least 10 years or since the Fukushima disaster. And I think the uranium prices still got a lot more to go. It pulled back recently a bit after its results. Well, after the results, it, it actually increased. Um, uh, pretty good results. Um, but you should look at 2024 when most of the production will come through. And even then they'll be 40% below the original capacity, um, that they still produced about five years ago. So I see, I see there's a lot of deficits in, in the uranium market. Uh, and if there is any new demand for new, new reactors coming over the longer term, you'll see uh, a real upside in this market. I mean, and Cameco is, is one of the, one of the little, one of the only places where institutional buyers in the Western hemisphere can really get exposure. Yeah. So either that, or they, or they buy, you know, the physical U um, two three five type of funds, which uh, Sprott has. I think Sprott has that's the biggest one, which yeah. is a closed end fund.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, I was going to say the chatter around uranium and, um, you know, nuclear energy is sort of warming up in in North America as they're trying to, you know, get more, you know, capacity, you know, via alternative energies, and it's interesting. Because, uh, you know, this was, you know, talking about uh, nu- nuclear energy in general was blasphemy. And now these days they're cozying up to the idea, which uh, is interesting, um, you know, considering what happened in other areas. And obviously people are trying to learn more and more and become more technologically advanced uh, to, to try mitigate the risks that come with having a nuclear plant. Uh, for you, Devin, um, this one is from Amit Bana. It's two be questions, well, two different people, but this one is asking says, Could you give your opinion on whether all mutual be shares represent a good deal and a good share? I mean, uh, I'll just tell you the basics here, Devin. It's a 10 year lockup, um, you're getting them at 10 bucks. So I think there's about a 20% discount on the entry price, and the funding is pretty generous you putting in about 15% they putting in about 15% i'm talking about the retail scheme now 15% of their own shares and then the remainder is uh vendor finance debt uh so what are your thoughts on a on a deal like that on a 10 year period i mean keeping in mind uh opportunity cost of what you could use you know that cash for to invest i mean there's other businesses in the market like apple amazon visa google chemical you know there's, there's quite a lot of options out there
1: yeah, look, I mean, I I think that 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 sweetener definitely does help. I think obviously you've got to look at the fundamentals of Old Mutual. I think life insurers are in, a, in quite a quite an unusual space at the moment. You know, those big write downs and mortality write offs that they had to take, a lot of those are being reversed. We saw Momentum Metropolitan come out today, um, showing that that some of those have have come back up. Um, old Mutual announced similar similarly in that regard. So I don't think it's the worst area of the market to be. Positioned, um, and and if you're you're able to benefit from from those shares, I think there you know there's an an added reason to do so. The opportunity cost, yeah, it's interesting. You know, <laughs> if, if we could, we would, we would all buy a lot more, right? But I think <laughs> if you if you can stack up some certainty in your favor within a portfolio, I th- I think that definitely does help. So yeah, I, I would consider it.
0: Yeah, I think the, the sweetener here makes sense. I mean, it's a. Um, it increases your opportunities, you know, at asymmetric returns, uh, positive asymmetry yeah. for that matter. Um, do you have anything to add, Tricus, um, or should we talk about SAP and because that's the next question here we're being asked by Godfrey.
2: Maybe we can no, talk I to both, I th- actually. Yeah, no, no, I've got no opi- opinion on the latter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think insurers, they, they look past for a nineteen economy, you know, like like we're Flat. probably in yeah um and and you know if you can pick up seven eight percent yield on them um wow. you know that's fine um that's that's what you're picking up at the moment single digit pe's um real value plays they might not do much but at least you're getting the dividend
0: yeah and 10 years is a, i think is a good enough period it gives you you know decent leeway uh, for them to you know Pick up their socks, so to say, <laughs> and for the government yeah. to pick up their socks. I mean, this economy needs to vulgar. There, there needs to be something <laughs> that happens in this economy. Um, so the the, the question about Zenzalegabil is, what's the panel's view, or about you know the future of SAP Zenzalegabil? Maybe let's talk about AB in Bev first before we get to the s a b level, Devin.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it's. It's been fascinating to watch what lager volumes have done globally through the pandemic and now they're normalizing. I, I guess, you know, to a large extent, the, these big multinational brewers are really logistics companies that are able to, you know, put, sell um, beer on top of those and, and extract a, a decent margin out of it. They're fairly predictable, um, you know, highly cash generative and yeah, fairly monopolistic. So, you know, solid investments. Uh, the problem with InBev is is still the level of debt that is coming down. The term structure is is looking a bit better, but yeah, there there still is a massive hangover from when they when they swallowed SAB. So yeah, I th- I think it it's got merit. Uh, I I think it's resilient, but but I think it's it's not without without risk. Is is probably what I'm trying to say. Okay, uh,
0: it's i think year to date the, the that scheme in particular is down about 44 percent i mean last year when it listed we saw, wow. s- yeah we saw well let me explain so we saw um you know a lot of um people trying to get their hands on it and they bid up the price you know up a lot to prices like 180 when you know that mm. didn't make any sense at all and it's sort of come down since then and no one likes this thing anymore so maybe it might be time to start looking at it. I'm not sure if it's in terms of valuation where it sits because it never had that sweetener that I, I spoke about of vendor financing and free shares, et cetera, et cetera. It just came from a different structure into the markets and you could just buy it mm. if you're a you know, black shareholder, which makes it way less attractive than you know what's to come in the market. Um, I think it, it's it's fair to say um, we jump into our stock picks for the evening, Trekkers. Uh,
2: yeah, Pan-Africa local listed gold producer sitting in a sub-five price earnings ratio. They're buying back shares. They're they uh they're generating a lot of cash at these levels. And a weaker end actually means that they will be earning more over the next six months. Um, and they've got a good production profile. And um I think there's a lot of these junior gold mining companies out there. This one just happens to be listed locally, and it's up for the taking.
0: Yes, I mean, uh, Mark Ashton, a friend of mine, has been bullish on pan-African resources for so long. I think he, sh- he should buy us all drinks here. Because <laughs> eventually, <laughs> this is going in his favor. Um, uh, your pick for the evening, Devin?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, NASDAQ-listed stock. It's Lamb Research Corporation. And, and what oh, yeah. they do is they fabricate um, effectively the wafers on semiconductors and and microchips in that regard. And I think the supply constraints with the semiconductor industry are well documented. It's reflected in the valuation of this company. I mean, it's a 40 year old company. Um, it, it's trading at a, around 14 times earnings. And it, it's so key to that kind of semiconductor supply chain that when demand does pick up and, and there is structural long term demand for these microchips with cloud computing, uh, with data storage, that that they're they're well positioned. You know, the the in manufacturers are highly competitive, but but they've got they've got specialised technology that we think stands them in good stead for the long term.
0: Yeah, I mean, a company like Lam Research might benefit as well as everyone is talking about onshoring or reshoring, um, and you know, semiconductors and uh, chips manufacturing being. Okay you know the 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 key thing there i mean there's there might be a thesis there uh you know to do a bit of research and see where where, where you want to be positioned uh if that ever had to happen especially uh, when you look at companies like intel uh, looking into you know moving their stuff back into america for those foundry factories as they call them so it's going to be interesting for all of these businesses that operate in that semiconductor space. Uh, so you're going with LAM. Interesting and a brave choice. So it's the stock picks for the evening. Devin is going with LAM and um, Drekas is going with Pan-African Resources. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, thanks to my guests, Drekas Combring from Capicraft and Devin Chute from the Robey Group. Uh, Julieta is back with Stockwatch tomorrow. Same, te- same time, same place. Have a good evening. <laughs> Oh, yeah.